distant God, you know. And he talked about God in a very personal way, in a way that uh, kind of blew me away. I hadn't thought about it quite that same way, and uh, that got me thinking. But I was kind of a hard nut to crack, and after about two years, I finally capitulated to the Lord and became a child of his. And uh, God just turned me around, bouleversé, as we say in France. I went off to university, got into some of those things, and started walking away from the Lord. And the Lord then, at the, near the end of my university career, brought a little song into being. Maybe some of you know it. Turn, turn, do everything, turn, 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 there's a season, turn. I'm sure some of you have heard it. Well, I heard the original kind of thing, uh, put out by Judy Collins way back when. And uh, because I was into music, I had started playing the guitar then, uh, I really kind of thought, that, that's neat. So I looked at that, and you know how the Lord takes something... And then opens up the doors. And for me, that was, that was the song he used because that song is based on the third chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes. So I looked, I opened up my Bible, first time in many, many, uh, many years. And it starts out, you know, by saying, Vanity of vanities, behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Everything you're doing, and I'm getting to the end of my college career, means nothing. Vexation of spirit. In fact, it gives us trouble, doesn't bring us peace, doesn't bring us happiness. And it was God's way of kind of bopping me on the head and saying, I've got something else for you. And he did. Uh, I was trained to be a high school teacher, and so I did teach in the suburb of Chicago. I taught in the area of ar architectural drafting and graphic arts, or print shop. And um, while I was there, uh, you know, I discovered, again, this whole area, this whole theme of the creativity of God. Uh, here I was in a couple of shop courses, and it's not the same as, you know, literature and uh, English or and philosophy courses. And uh, during that time, uh, a famous uh, gal by the name of Madeline Murray O'Hara had won a, a victory in the Supreme Court where there was no more school prayer allowed. And some of the Christians who were part of the faculty were not saying too much, and they were very kind of cautious. And uh, myself, having walked away from the Lord, him having brought me back, and I decided to say, Lord, uh, yes, society is saying certain things are limitations and off-limits, but what can you do? How can you open the doors? And he gave me a couple of ideas. And one of the ideas was, of all things, I thought of how down the hallway in those other classes, literature classes and so forth, there were the teachers were putting up nice sayings from Mao Zedong and, you know, Karl Marx and that crowd. And I decided, well, maybe there's another source. And so I opened my Bible and on my um, bulletin board or chalkboard, I wrote some sayings by Jesus, you know, by God, you know, naive maybe and maybe a little bit zealous. And I figured, well, if they wanted to say something to me that they would, I would point out perhaps that down the road was uh, they were putting up other things. Uh, but I wasn't going to argue with them too much if the authorities kind of put called me on the carpet. Interestingly enough, they didn't. However, I didn't uh, abuse it either. What I did find is that several students started calling me preach and preacher and kind of mocking me and that kind of stuff. So I had a nice big black Bible that I put right in front of on my desktop too. Didn't open it, didn't start preaching, but it, made a, it gave a message. And uh, after they had a few laughs and all the rest of it, uh, and even back then before it was so <laughs> culturally sensitive, I checked with the parents and all that kind of thing and made sure that I, when I did talk to the students at their request, it was off the school property. And several of them became Christians. One time, uh, the faculty and staff who knew where I stood, because they had invited me to bring some uh, music to some of their uh, faculty lounge meetings and so forth, um, I would sing Christian-style songs. It wasn't, again, a, a religious setting, but I wanted to have some kind of influence there or let the Lord have some kind of influence. And when that happened, uh, that uh, kind of put a spark of reality in some of the people's lives, some of the other staff members. And lo and behold, a 
non-Christian woman who was the vice principal came to me one day and talked to me about Joe. Joe was a student that I used to have, and he was a four-letter man and uh, had all kinds of honors given to him at the school, but he was going through a hard, hard time. And I had had him as a student, and he was no longer my student. Nevertheless, she came and she said, he's been in some trouble. Two of our psychologists have talked with him. They haven't been able to do anything, but your name has come up in a favorable sense. Will you talk with Joe? Maybe you can help him. And I said to her, well, uh, I can, but I believe that there's only one real solution for Joe, and that's with God. She didn't say anything. She just looked at me and she said, would you please talk to Joe? And I said, I sure will. And I did, and I gave him some scripture. Uh, He didn't turn to the Lord right away, but about two months later, he tells me, he told me afterwards, he he and his girlfriend had broken up, and I had given him a, a portion of scripture that he'd just thrown into a drawer. And because he was down, somehow, quote unquote, he found that piece of scripture. And he opened up the word of God. And the word of God is still powerful, isn't it? And it's alive. And he was convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit and became a child of God. He went on to finish high school, went into college, and then started serving the Lord uh, through Campus Crusade, and then later became a pastor, first a youth pastor, and then a senior pastor out east, and is still doing it, as far as I know. Creative God, in when the world says, you can't do that, God says, oh yes you can, oh yes you can, not in your strength, but in mine. As I was there in the public school system, I discovered I had a great need for more Bible education. And so I went to a little school in Chicago called Moody Bible Institute. Yeah, and <laughs> Yeah, I react like that all the time, you know. Anyway, uh, I started uh, seeing how much I didn't know. You know, kind of maybe some of you are going through that. The more you find out about the Bible, the more you find out that you don't know about the Bible and how deep and rich it really is. And so that drove me to uh, thinking about more full-time studies, and that took me out here to Southern California. And I went to a little school called Talbot Theological Seminary. That's where uh, I met your president, John MacArthur. He was uh, just—he had just graduated from the seminary, and uh, we became friends and did some things together, including going down to Mendenhall, Mississippi, under the voice of Calvary Ministry with a. Uh, a black man, a black pastor by the name of John Perkins, Jr. Had some wonderful times there, and I don't have time to go into all of that, but I'm just trying to show you kind of the road that God has led me, and maybe he's led you down some similar paths. During that time, that's when I was exposed to Greater Europe Mission, and it was on on the bulletin of the seminary that a little note, a little letter was posted. And sometimes we talk about the call and what is it, and it's kind of mysterious and so forth. Just, I can't tell you what God's going to use in your life, but I can tell you what he did in mine. In that little letter, it said they needed some people in France. My first thinking was, wow, if I'm going to be a missionary, let's go to Europe, you know. I probably won't get there any other way. That's not exactly real deep thinking, obviously. So I read the letter a little bit further, and it talked about the number of Christians, biblically, that were in that country. It's called a Christian country, sometimes a post-Christian country, that had a witness for Jesus Christ. But currently, at that time, and this is in the late 60s, the number of Christians was one-tenth of one percent. One-tenth of one, and I said, that can't be true, but it was. And as I discovered, uh, I had kind of a mental image in my mind of, you know, the uh, playground, the teeter-totters that go like this, you know? And on one side was a rather large person and uh, marked USA. And on the other side, high in the air, was this kind of scrawny kid marked France. Just a little image. Now, I know the need is never the call, but in my heart at least, the need opened up my heart to hear the call. It helped me relate, and God was able to tell me what he wanted me to do. 
I got very excited as I looked at Greater Europe Mission because they had three strategies. The first two, something that basically that, that everybody's talking about, evangelism and church planting. But the thing that really kind of got me and turned me on was their emphasis on training and equipping national European leadership. I am more excited today than I was back then about what God is doing in Europe. And I'm thankful, not just saying GEM or Greater Europe Mission is the only way to go. It's not. You know, God's a lot more creative than just what we can do. But it's one group that he's using to help train the national leadership, providing Bible schools, both in the traditional and the non-traditional sense, so that people get become aware of who, who Jesus Christ is and go deeper than that and they're discipled. And that they become the pastors and the youth leaders and the evangelists because in the final analysis I think that a Frenchman can probably reach a Frenchman better than an American and a German can reach a German and an Australian can reach an Australian and a Romanian can reach a Romanian better than I can. But God still uses us. We've got some exciting things in um, that have happened. Uh, Miska, you may know, who's over in Eastern Europe and as a graduate from uh, Master Seminary, was first of all a graduate from the Eastern European Bible Institute that Greater Europe Mission began. So it's a real cooperative kind of effort that I see happening here. And you know, we talk about the church and its many branches and it all comes together and it really does. And again, God's creativity. Maybe we wouldn't have designed it that way, but God does. And he, he is building his church in Europe today. We have some new things going on in Zaporozhye, Ukraine, for example a new Bible college that's called Modular Bible or Biblical Instruction. Uh, we have teaching positions that are needed in places like Romania, the Czech Republic, Albania, Latvia, Estonia, Russia, and of course summer ministry, some of which you were exposed to just a few weeks ago. And uh, my friend Lowell Benson was here with uh, many other people, and I'm really excited about this Italian team going to Italy with Greater Europe Mission this summer. But there are so many other possibilities as well. Uh, last spring, I was in Romania. Uh, this was the, my third trip to Romania uh, since I came back here to the United States. And I'm so happy that I've got the title Director of Recruitment, but that's not, that doesn't mean just kind of sitting by a booth or even having some uh, seminars and so forth. But it also allows me, the Lord has allowed me, to have my fingers in the pie, to keep my fingers, or to keep myself fresh as I go to Europe and then work with young people who are going to Europe and then see how the Europeans are continuing to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We used a, a kind of a silly little thing, I'm, I use the word silly, it maybe really isn't, but sports, sports evangelism. In our particular um, situation, it was basketball. Uh, prior to this last trip to Romania, which was the seventh such thing that I've done, the first six were done in France using the basketball team from Multnomah Bible College. This time we also used the basketball team from Multnomah Bible College. Next spring I'm already working with Moody Bible Institute and their basketball team going to France, hopefully uh, in March and April of 95. In any case, uh, this last trip was really kind of special since it was the first time anything like this had ever happened in Romania, where we're using the medium of sports to open up the gospel message to the Romanian public. A number of things happened, but it all came under the official invitation and the direction and authority of the local Romanian church. We didn't just go out there saying, well, we've got a good idea, it's worked in France now, you know, it'll work here. But rather, as I talked with Pastor Benjamin Poplicano and showed him some things and told him what God had been doing, uh, through basketball in France, he kind of got excited and explained it to the elders of his church and his denomination, and they invited us to come over in March and April of this year. Uh, let me see, I want, need to keep checking the time. We had two objectives. 
One, of course, was evangelism plugged in through uh, the local Romanian church. We discovered, however, that we were also an encouragement to the local Romanians, ha uh, local Romanian Christians. Having grown up and been under that umbrella called communism, uh, they thought that, uh, you know, you, it's personal relationships uh, that God's going to use in order to bring somebody to himself. And that still is true, and that's true everywhere. Uh, but God was using us through basketball evangelism and pa uh, Pastor Benjamin Papachano to open up the horizons just a bit more so that they could see that God could actually reach out and touch somebody that they hadn't had prior contact with. Again, God's creativity, God's power. And they got excited as a group of Romanian Christians. And we got excited because we saw something that we hadn't anticipated, that God was opening the door in their minds and their hearts that they could go beyond what they were used to doing. And let me just kind of give you a challenge. You're here in college, and you know some of you have done some of these things, some of you haven't. But God is continually in that process of opening up our minds and hearts to his ways. They will get us. They'll probably be kind of uncomfortable for most of us. You know, we have to get out of that comfort zone. But that's all right. God's bigger than that, and it's certainly worth it, you know. Any discomfort that you or I have along these lines for his glory and for the building of his church has got to be worth it. I mean, isn't that what we're learning day by day here on this campus and other Christian college campuses? It's got to be true, or it's really probably not worth the paper we're reading it from. But I'm here to say it really is true. Um, you're going to see uh, some excitement here with regard to uh, what we did and, um, you know, I think I better, we better just, uh, I better stop now. Uh, by the way, does this go down? Do we move this out? Or, or is that high enough? That's high enough. Yes? Okay. Do I take all of this stuff out of me? Sure, why not? All right. Boy, we have these little conversations all over the place. Uh, in the video, uh, he was out there talking to people just one, one right after another. That same day, that morning, in fact, I have to give you just a little bit of an idea of what he did. He had, seen us together for about a week and uh, he was getting fed daily by the word of God because we had given him a, a Bible and he was often into the scriptures just reading by himself and but he was always thinking and he saw some of what we did and was encouraged uh, and he saw the youth and all that kind of thing and he kind of got the idea well he was too old to become a Christian he kind of liked it but he thought it was past uh, he was just too old he could do it anymore then on that Sunday morning, there was a gal by the name uh, who was working with Child Evangelism Fellowship and mentioned in her testimony that she had become a child of the king at the age of 47, the ripe old age of 47. He goes, whoa, you know, he said, that's for me, because he was right in that age, between the later 40s, early 50s. He came up as we were singing that last song. And um, now he didn't speak any Romanian, uh, I mean English, and I didn't speak any Romanian, but I was up on the platform together with the pastor, and I could see him out of the corner of my eye. And here he got up, and he was coming around, and uh, there were tears in his eyes, and he just kind of put the, made these gestures. He held his hands together, and he pointed to uh, the ceiling, the, the heavens, and he said, Isus, 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 Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And, of course, we knew what he wanted. I tapped the pastor on the, hand, uh, on the shoulder and I said, uh, come, here comes Costello. And uh, you heard Pastor Benjamin. He was the one who was speaking there. He speaks English very, very well, plus about four other languages. Uh, we just bowed our heads right there at the end of that service. And that service contained about six to 700 people in that, in that building, that, audit, that sanctuary. As they were filing past, Costello became a child of the king. And then you couldn't stop him. That same evening, he gave his testimony, which went on about for 20, 25 minutes. First time you've ever talked in front of people like that to about 700 people. 
And the pastor afterwards said that was one of the clearest testimonies he had ever heard. And Pastor Benjamin's been around a bit, and he's heard a number of testimonies. I thank the Lord for what he did in Romania. I thank the Lord for what he's doing in France. When we were there two and a half years ago with the basketball team, God began the planting of a brand new church in a suburb of France called, or a suburb of Paris called Oban, meaning literally good water. And he started the Living Water Church there through missionaries through Greater Europe Mission and local uh, French people who were on fire for him, using just basketball as an opening. And uh, just r- literally, we were there uh, in March and in December. Uh, the, nine months later, the Lord gave birth to a brand new church in a city that had a 600-year history and had never had an evangelical witness before. That's God's creativity. Man says can't. God says, yes, you can. Actually, God says we can because it's never independent from him. You saw, although you probably, I can't identify him right now, but there was a young man uh, who's, you, it was a full face shot, and he was listening to the Romanian uh, athletic president uh, of the association talking. There was the, the Romanian talking, then you had a pan of uh, some of our cheerleaders, and then it ended with Mark. Now, some of you may remember that as you saw it, it went by fairly quickly. Mark, uh, a, a young man of 21 years of age and an excellent ball player. Uh, four weeks ago, he died. He died of a massive heart attack. Now, you don't usually think of a 21-year-old having a massive heart attack. That uh, really shook up the campus at uh, Mount Loma. It still is. Why am I telling you this? Uh, because it's part of reality. We all have a tendency to think that we're going to go on forever. And the fact is we're not. We don't know how, we don't know about today, the rest of the day, do we? We may have it, we may not have it. But Mark was the kind of guy who used his life for the Lord. A young man, but the Lord used him. Even during that trip to Romania, early on, he was the only one who got injured. And if you're into sports, you know that if you, you take a special trip and the first game or second game you have, you get injured, it's not really happy. You know, you're not really excited about those prospects. Now, Mark wasn't bubbling over with joy because he got injured. But he didn't let that dampen his spirits. And although he could go on the, on the court and play ball, he could be a witness for Jesus Christ, and he was. And uh, he was always talking with somebody through interpretation or with a lot of hand motions and things like that. The last couple of games, he was able to play. When we sat on the plane coming home together, everybody was pretty well beat. Mark sat next to me. In front of us was a young mother who was British, and she had two kids, two boys, that were rather rambunctious, to say the least. And the mother was starting to pull her hair out. You know, what? like this was a long trip, you know, and coming all the way here to California. And uh, Mark saw that as we were talking, and another fellow by the name of Jason, another ball player, also saw it. And without anyone saying anything, they said, well, I, they just kind of wandered up and they started talking with the boys and basically occupied them for the rest of the time. Uh, they exchanged addresses and all that kind of thing. That's the kind of person Mark was. And this summer, he needed to, to work for uh, school uh, this, this last fall. But he took half of it out, and he worked in two youth camps anyway, even though he needed the money. And then four weeks ago, God needed him to be next to him and took him. It was hard. It still is. And, uh, but it's a, it's a lesson in reality. And it's not that God's being mean, but the kind of lesson you and I can have from it is the fact that uh, each day is very, very precious. I don't know if God's calling you to a foreign mission field, but I know that he's calling you somewhere. The calling anywhere needs to be certain. It needs to be sure. It shouldn't be 
oh, by default. You know, a lot of us here in North America kind of stay here by default because we don't ask God, where do you want me? Kind of afraid that he's going to answer and he's going to say someplace we don't want. Let me challenge you. Whether it's Romania, whether it's France, whether it's Los Angeles, is really up to him. But just ask God, where does he want you? And you know, if, if, just kind of think with me for a second. If every Christian, every person who claims to know Jesus Christ, recognizes that they are a redeemed individual and they no longer belong to themselves, they only belong to the king. If every single one turned around and said, Lord, where do you want me? And probably the majority of times to say, I want you to be right here. Stay right here. But if we had that mentality of knowing that we were here because we're called of God, you know, we had a good election, or a lot of us would say a good election last week. But you know, that's not where our security is. That's not where dynamite is going to happen. It's going to happen only through the Lord Jesus Christ and Him touching individual lives and bringing them together into His church. I'm sorry, I don't want to get on a preach with you, but at the same time, I'm going to be um, here uh, for the day, and I'd love to be able to talk with many of you. Uh, I want to try to see the Italian team, and I think we've said 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock for any of you people who are thinking of going with the Italian team with Greater Europe Mission this summer. Please come by. Vince will be there and so forth, and we'll have a, a time together. But others of you, I'd just love to talk with you to sit down and, and see what God's doing in your life. Um, God's still doing creative things, as I began this whole time with you this morning, talking about his creativity. He's doing creative things in the way he's reaching out to others. And I know he wants, he wants to use you to do it. The world, once again, will probably say, and even sometimes the Christian world will say, you can't do that. And God says, yes, we can do that. And when it's for him, there's no turning back. Now, I have about one or two more minutes, so I'm going to end with a song that you that we, uh, a fellow by the name of Bob Kilpatrick wrote this song. He's the same one who wrote that song, Holy God, Make Me Holy. Aha, we're getting switched. Let's see what happens. Good. All right. <laughs> a song that um, I'm sure you will recognize and know. In my life, Lord, be glorified. Mm -hmm. I know you know it. In my life, Lord, be glorified. Be glorified. Please sing with me. In my life, Lord, be glorified today in my words. In 